Yep. Um, Fulham FC. Uh, let's see. Hashtag Full America. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the name of the episode, that's... right? Yeah, that's, I think yeah. that's what we're going to name it. I like that. Um, <laughs> so, then... so, Blake, do you know what uh, Fulham's original name was? Do you know this, Adam? No, I don't. Oh, I, don't I don't know. I, I pulled up the wiki. It's <laughs> their, their first... Well, first off, Fulham's the oldest club in London. Founded in 1879. But they were first known as Fulham St. Andrew's Church Sunday School FC. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Up and Over. This is Blake. And this is Matt, and we're excited to have our first guest on the show today, my good friend Adam. Alright, yeah, but I suppose we should probably start to get going on this, but Matt, we talked last night, busy week for you. Um, Adam, do you, what exactly do you do, like, just work-wise and... Um, I am currently a research associate at the Joint Bioenergy Institute in Emeryville, California, and basically the, like, I'm, I'm studying bacteria that produce, um, bioplastics and trying to engineer them to, um, to make bioplastics more efficiently and make them more cost competitive with commercial, like, Oh, yeah. Okay, got it. But reason being that we brought Adam into the podcast is he's a former D3 soccer player four years. He's an academic All-American, a lifelong Fulham fan for some reason. Yeah, hold on uh, there. Why is that? <laughs> Why? Um, Why Fulham? It's a good question. Um, so my family went to London where we have family friends when I was about 10 years old and um, two of my parents really good friends from um, I think from law school live in London now and um, they they like hosted us when we when we got to London and they they took us out to dinner and invited us actually to um, they're they're big Fulham fans and they invited us to a game um, like while we were in London and we went and they like gave us all Fulham jerseys and we sat in the Fulham section at Emirates Stadium and all in. we were from then on we were just all in um, we had so much fun watching Fulham and learning about the team and all of the traditions that the the supporters have when they visit other teams and yeah it was just like it's like this really vibrant culture um in london and specifically the fulham community is very tight-knit and i think we we all picked up on that and wanted to be a part of it very cool very cool okay all right yeah i I understand a little better now (laughs) yeah so that's a for all of our listeners, it's why we brought Adam on. He could, I guess at this point call him a Fulham aficionado. <laughs> at least for who we know. And <laughs> and the relevance, Matt, uh, 
Adam and I were roommates out in Washington when we both worked at Pacific Northwest National Lab, and we both played Ultimate Frisbee together. So it's about time we caught up, and yeah. what more appropriate time to speak on a good topic as any, Fulham St. Andrew's Church Sunday School FC. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, but yeah, so, um, Matt, I think, uh, I think we kind of discussed that, uh, you know, Fulham is known also as full America because they've had how many U S national players, um, men's national players play for them. 10 to 12 over 10, there. 10 to 12. The, yeah. That sounds about right. 90s. Notable players being Eddie Lewis. Carlos Bocanegra, Brian McBride, Clint Dempsey, Casey Keller, Eddie Johnson, Tim Ream, currently on the team, got Luca De La Torre, and Anthony Robinson, who's currently on the team. So quite the pedigree of American players over at least the last 30 years now. Yeah, close to it. Um, Just to add in there, I mean, like, arguably... Fulham had the best American player of all time. Um, I mean, you could argue either, I think, the, or specifically the men's team, but you could argue, I think there's an argument to be made that Landon Donovan might also be, but in my opinion, in my, in my humble opinion, I think um, Clint Dempsey is, was the most successful American player of all time, especially in Europe. Um, and he had a he had a pretty yes. good stint at Fulham too. Yeah, I think yes, he, he had a, he had his best stint in soccer at Fulham. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just going through actually we were having this debate on a a group chat of me and some college soccer teammates about whether Dempsey or Donovan were, were the best players of all time, and um, I pointed out that Dempsey scored. A this incredible chip goal, which you guys should check out if you haven't seen before, in the semifinals of the Europa League to beat Juventus and go to the finals in 2010. Um, yeah, we'll, was, have to, we'll have to look that up. Yeah, it was probably the best moment for any American player to like to score the game-winning goal in a in a Europa League semifinal game. Could that be one of the? highlights for Fulham too would you oh think? yeah def- well I guess playing in the final was I mean they lost but yeah maybe winning the semifinal would be the mm-hmm. the biggest mm-hmm. moment for in Fulham history yeah so what's the uh reception of American players you think on Fulham seems like that's if we call it full America <laughs> what I do you mean, mean like what do you would you, do you mean like in London amongst the Fulham community there? Like, how do they feel about being connected so heavily to America? Yeah, um, I think the sense I got was that they were like proud of the good players from the United States. Like, and like I don't think there's like I mean they have players from all over the world on that team, mm-hmm. so I don't think they're like particularly feel connected um but they definitely like love clint dempsey there do you think that because of the number of american players on that team 
And not saying they've all had the same success as Clint Dempsey, but mm-hmm. I mean, you got Boca Negra, Brian McBride, Casey Keller, solid players for the U.S. Um, and with them all having played on Fulham at one time or another, do you think Fulham's maybe a bit more uh, welcoming of American players compared to, say, I mean, Pulisic just entered Chelsea a mm-hmm. year ago and they're like, ah, why why do we spend this money on on an American? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm not really sure, honestly. Um, That's fair. But I would say that I think a lot of it is is about how these players perform, and um, I think um, in the case of a lot of those Americans, like you pointed out, a lot of them had really successful careers and played and helped Fulham a lot. So I think in that respect, I think they probably do have a good association um, between Americans and their team. Awesome. Um, yeah, and, and Matt, I think it's a little bit more maybe on the we recognize Fulham as full America, right, mm-hmm. as, as U.S. fans. <laughs> Um, and so when we see a player going to Fulham, we're like, okay, this is a squad that like has put faith in American players mm-hmm. before and they've had successful careers. And so I, I don't know that it's res- like Adam was saying, like maybe not they're, they're proud and, and happy to have the good players and, and especially when they're on, you know, good form. But, um, I don't know that it's necessarily reciprocated in full just because there's another American on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, Although but, I will, I will bring yeah. up, I will bring up that. I mean, there may be, it may be a little bit more than just random chance that Americans have consistently um, joined Fulham because I don't know if you guys know, but the owner of Fulham FC or Fulham St. Andrews FC <laughs> <laughs> is um, Shahid Khan who is a pa- Pakistani-born American businessman. Oh, I did um, not know that. Yeah, and he also owns the Jaguars. Oh, okay. Right. In the NFL. Um, and so maybe there's, like, maybe the people who are working from him are have connections with recruiters in the United States, and there might be some, some reason there. I don't know how long he's owned it, owned the team, um, but I know that he, at least for maybe five years, has owned the team. Okay. Since 2013. Since 2013. Yes. yes. But yeah, since then, they've had, I think, two stints, now being one of them, in the Premier League and out. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to recap the last season in their mm-hmm. championship to find the last spot behind Leeds and West Brom into mm-hmm. the premiership. Yeah. Um, so I think last season was, I think Fulham, Fulham have been very inconsistent over the past four or five years. Um, I would say, like from 20, 2008 until they first dropped out of the Premier League for like in a long time back in, was that 2015 or 2016? Um, 
they had a very consi- they were very consistent in the Premier League and had good coaching under Roy Hodgson and others and good had a solid squad um, not a lot of turnover um, often like had a lot of veteran players um, who really enjoyed the culture at Fulham and yeah stayed in the Premier League for many years and did well including that that Europa League trip in 2010. Um, and then, you know, when they dropped out of the Premier League and into the championship, um, they struggled. Um, they lost a lot of their core members. A lot of their veterans retired. Um, and they basically had to rebuild. And so it took a couple years. They almost got relegated from the championship their first year, actually. Um, and that was very scary because um, that that would have been a, a challenge to dig dig our ways out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they slowly rebuilt, and I think I mean, luckily Shahid Khan is very invested in like he wants to remake Fulham into like a, a consistent Premier League team, and I think he's he's put a lot of money into that, so um, we should be there, but. Um, yeah. Um, Any particular highlights from the last season that yeah you want to speak to that kind of like found them uh, back to, back into where they are now? Yeah. Um, I'd say the highlights were Mitrovic. Um, we struggled overall to score goals throughout the season, but Mitrovic has been so consistent over the past couple years on Fulham. Um, he's just, he's so competitive and so strong and a really good finisher. Um, and so he, I mean, he scored 26 goals in the championship last season, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. He got the golden boot, um, I think by a long shot. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, he was a highlight, um, Cabano, a new young player, winger, was a highlight um, and brought a lot of, like a lot of pace to the wing, which is something that we really were craving the past couple of years. And he's very tricky. Um, I think in the first Fulham game this season, he I, I could tell he's struggling to adapt to the Premier League and the caliber of defenders he's he's going against on the wing has, has significantly changed. So I'm hoping that he can um, figure that out and also be successful in the Premier League. Um, I'm trying to think who else was. Uh, Rodak, the goalie, was also he, instrumental in bringing us back to the Premier League. He was very consistent um, after they got rid of Bettinelli, who was – just like the past couple of years, the main goalkeeper, um, mm. Rodak, I think he's from the Netherlands, I want to say. But yeah, he was really solid um, in goal, and he's a young goalie. Um, so I think he'll have a long career at Fulham. Um, Unless he gets sent somewhere else by some chance, but yeah. let's hope he stays with Fulham for the yeah, time Yeah, I think being, he's right? young enough that he'll have a number of years before, you know, like a bigger team swoops him up. Um, yeah, I think the like there's been a lot of criticism of Scott Parker um, and how he's managed the the team the past year and now into this season. Um, he took over the team early on in the season when they were struggling, and he did bring them um, 
he did like totally change the season around. Um, so in that in that respect, he deserves credit because a lot of people after the I think it was after the first ten games or something they were really struggling and nobody thought that Fulham was going to be able to recover, but they were pretty good in the last three quarters of the season and were able to go up. So were they like biting nail and tooth to get to that third spot or were they like had a had like a good finish to an extent, but maybe a little bit of a scare that made them need to solidify that third position? Yeah, I think um, by the middle of the season they were they were playing pretty consistently and getting good results and inching up the table and towards the end of the season they were they were right on the heels of the the top two spots um them along with Brentford um and it came down to the wire i think Fulham had an opportunity to get one of the top two spots which obviously automatically qualify you for the premier league um for the listeners that don't know the third spot is competed for in a in a playoff series um, with the t- with the three, four, five, and six teams um, on the table, uh, play semifinal games and then a final to determine which of those four teams gets to go to the Premier League. Um, and yeah, I think we were we were really close in the end to um, inching ahead of West Brom, or was it? Is that right? Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds took it, and West Brom got yeah, second. Yeah, Leeds, Leeds, Leeds had a solid um, lead yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, at the at the top of the table, but I think West Brom, we were we were really close on their heels. Um, so we were we were kind of disappointed not to get that automatically automatic qualification spot, but we played well in the in the playoffs, and now we're back in the Premier League. All right, so Adam, moving into how Fulham plays, right, and like the systems and tactics that they employ, um, what what can we see from them, uh, like moving forward, but then also like retroactively towards the last season, like were there periods of like tests, like trying different formations and tactics mm-hmm. out, high press, uh, sitting in a low box, like mm-hmm. like what. What did that look like and what is it going to look like moving forward? Yeah, I think um, some of the criticisms of Fulham this season is that they've been pretty uh, cautious and pretty defensive. Historically, Fulham has been like an attacking side um, with solid defenders that um, we have confidence in and we can like send forward numbers to get into the box. And um, this season, the this past season, the, the defenders were not as reliable. And I think Scott Parker was concerned about an overly, um, like, attacking side and the ability of uh, other teams to counterattack and just um, score really easily. So we're playing pretty defensively, which is not always fun to watch. When we lose, like we're not throwing too many numbers forward. We're not um, counterattacking quite as much as we have in past years. Um, Fulham generally, historically, has 
played possession style soccer, which is which I do like to watch. Um, and Scott Parker has incorporated that. Um, it's just it's just the we don't have the we don't have that final third the the quality to score partly because there's this like tentativeness about throwing too many numbers forward um, and risking being counterattacked. So it's it's still a pretty early point in the season. So hopefully they find a little bit of a rhythm and comfortability mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think, I mean like tactically, I think they've been playing um, a four, three, three um, with pretty traditional outside backs. Um, although they've kind of struggled in wide areas um, maybe partly because they're playing a four three three, um, and partly because of the personnel that they had. They didn't have a lot of um, wingers. Um, we we were hurting on outside backs um, until Anthony Robinson came in, and really, and then there was also a, a new signing. Um, uh, this I think he's Brazilian guy whose name I forget. Um, on the right as well. So I think we have, we have more options out wide now, which is good. Um, Anthony Robinson played his first game on Wednesday, actually. Yeah, that's right. He got his start. Yeah. Um, although, although I have to be honest, I watched part of the game and he, um, he looked a little nervous. That being said, he's one of my, like he was one of the players that when I first saw play for the UN's U.S. men's national team, I was most impressed by of the young players. Um, he played. I forget. He had when? When did he have his stint? Um, let's see. It would have been two, two-ish years ago now. Yeah. Um, is when he when he had those couple uh, appearances. I was really impressed by him when he played in those games. The I I was as well. He um, and and we'll we'll get to talking about him more later. But okay. um, he he really, I think, his strongest area is probably moving forward and linking up, mm-hmm. all right, and getting into the attack. Uh, and what I would like to see from him at Fulham is being able to to then also come back and not get caught so high up and and be mm-hmm. a solid. Um, Solid left back, someone you can rely on defensively, and not just mm-hmm. be there for the uh, the offensive side of things. But um, no, I, I was also very impressed with him, and uh, am excited to see him now at Fulham, uh, especially with their recent promotion. So uh, mm-hmm. that should be very good. Yeah, Let's I mean, see. it was interesting that Fulham brought him in, especially because the the player that scored the game winning goal in the championship final was the left back, Joe Bryan. Um, <laughs> and has like played pretty consistently over the past couple of years. So I think Scott Parker maybe recognized that Joe Bryan needed some more competition or maybe he wasn't totally satisfied with um, that position. I'm, I'm not really sure. So, and also maybe Anthony Robinson will, will move into a more of a traditional midfield role at some point um, if he continues to struggle defensively um, we definitely need like wingers um, more attacking minded wingers. So 
we'll see. It'll be interesting to see kind of where he ends up. Um, all right. So let's let's take a step back from from Anthony, and we can dive deeper in, into him later. But uh, Tim Ream is the the other U.S. player who's been who is at Fulham and has been there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I I understand how you feel about Tim Ream. I have <laughs> my reservations about him as well. Um, but uh, I mean, he has captained for Fulham before, right? Um, and has been a pretty consistent uh, member in in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, so so how does Tim Ream fit into the system at Fulham? Um, do you think he's a good fit for that system? How does that translate to the men's national team mm-hmm. uh, and, and what we see from him there? And Burhalter obviously likes him. Uh, he's been called in several times and been deployed as both a left back and a center back on the left side. Um, personally, I if he's going to be playing at all, I see him as a, a center back on the left side. Mm-hmm. He's too slow for me to be out wide. Um, but uh, – that's my personal mm-hmm. opinion. So, um, yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about Tim Ream at Fulham. Yeah, I think um, I think he's had a kind of mixed mixed um, experiences. I'm sorry, there's a car alarm. Can you guys hear that? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, that's a little bit better. I closed the window. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so I think Tim Ream has had ups and downs at Fulham. I mean, he's been there for how many years now? Like maybe five years? Um, Yeah, since 2015, I think. And, you know, I think, I mean, regardless of, I think, you know, he would be the first to admit that, you know, he has, I mean, no player is perfect, but I think he he understands his weaknesses, which is important. and I think the coaching staff understand his weaknesses. Um, so that's helpful for um, just like, you know, like protecting players, right? And so I think one thing that Fulham has realized is that, and Scott Parker has realized is that we don't have, we don't have the kind of center backs who you can leave all alone and, you know, send tons of numbers forward and expect not to be counterattacked and scored on. Um, you know, we don't have the fastest center backs. Michael Hector and Tim Ream are not very fast. They're not particularly good one-on-one defenders. Um, but that being said, there are good organizers um, and good um, good in the air. And so I think Scott Parker has tried to just keep um, numbers around them and keep a solid wall in front of them to protect them. Um, and that's been, I mean, it was pretty effective last season and we'll see how effective it is this season. I think there's definitely calls from the Fulham community to, um, try to get some more support so that we can send more numbers forward, um, more support in the center back department, but, um, we'll see. All right. Now then. 
moving into Tim Ream and, and the U.S. men's national team, right? Mm-hmm. Fulham have, have used a, a support system for Tim Ream, as as you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Burhalter likes those outside backs to really push high and get involved in the attack. And I think that that's been part of my issue with Tim Ream is that then he is so exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I mean, do you – just just speak on Tim Ream's placement a little bit at the U.S. Do you see um, differences there between that system and, and what system uh, do you think he's a little bit better suited for? You know, I think Burhalter definitely is a more of a modern style coach than some of the past U.S. men's national team coaches, which is good. Um, and I think he's recognizing that the modern game is moving towards like attacking minded outside backs. Um, and yeah, it's definitely exposing Tim Ream more. Um, and, you know, I don't really know. I think like that's been a challenge for the U S in recent years is, is finding consistent, a consistent back line. Um, and it will continue to be, to, to be a challenge. I mean, to be honest, I would like to see the U S try to incorporate some younger, faster, better one-on-one defending center backs um, that could support a style um, I... with attacking outside backs. Let's uh, let's pull back to the young guy, Anthony Robinson. Mm-hmm. Right, He's 23 years old. Left back. Um, and actually, I guess just real quick, I, I want to note that Anthony Robinson was with Wigan last year. Uh, and in January, he was actually slated to make a move to AC Milan. Um, and that fell through uh, in the last two days because um, his physical, when he went to Milan to do his physical, he had an irregularity in his heartbeat and uh, actually had to end up getting surgery. Um, or some sort of procedure to to help that, and it needed to be sooner than later. So that fell through because it was like the day before the transfer window ended, and they couldn't. Um, obviously, that was just not enough time to to go through and be able to get that sorted out, so that he could sign that paperwork with uh, with AC Milan, and then a little bit worried about where he was going to end up, and then Fulham swoops him, picks him up. And uh, we've talked we've talked a bit about him now, and we've not had many many opportunities to really see him with Fulham yet. Um, but do you see him as a, a regular eleven? And and when do you think that'll be? Yeah, it's, if I mean, if it happens, I think it's really hard to say. I think I think uh, it really depends on how he performs this season. Um, I think he's going to have like he, like the top spot is going to go to Joe Bryan <laughs> as the one uh, who scored the game winner in the Champions League sorry in the championship final um and has played cons- pretty consistently over the past couple of years so he's going to have to come in and play significantly better than Joe Bryan in order to win that spot at left back that being said, he I could see him getting more regular time as like an outside midfielder, 
or coming in off the bench late in games at left back to kind of just shore up against a, maybe a good winger or something. But if he wants to win the top spot, he's going to have to really perform well. And, you know, I think Joe Bryan is a solid left back, but I think he's not. There's definitely, like, opportunity for Anthony Robinson to win that spot. But I think um, he's going to have to show that he contributes a lot to the attack and that he can hold his own defensively. Um, I guess I don't. I don't know so much about uh, Anthony Robinson's contract with Fulham. Do you think that this was more of a, a signing for the future? Like I, I again, I don't know the terms. Was it was it a two year, three, four, five year deal? I I don't know. Um, do you, do you think they brought him in to kind of learn under Joe Bryan uh, and then you know fulfill that spot once he he leaves or? Um, just to, to bring in competition and uh, try to make that spot just a little bit more sure for the team with that competition against against a higher um, higher level of play in, in the Prem versus the championship. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to look up what the contract the, was. The contract. So it said he signed through 2024 – on a $2.5 million contract. So if anything, Fulham got a steal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think based on that, it sounds like it's a, it's a longer-term contract. And so, I mean, Joe Bryan isn't old, but I mean, also Joe Bryan has been very injury-prone um, in the past couple of years. So having depth at that position is a good thing for sure. Um and yeah, Joe Bryan's older, and so he could be one for the future as well. So sounds like um, Anthony Robinson will get a lot, a lot of opportunities over the next four years. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, I would say he's both a combination of, you know, if he plays really well, he could break into the team this season. And if not, they, the team will continue to draw on his, his skills in the coming years. So I guess let's talk about the present season then. Um, Fulham had, I think, a difficult side to face for their first game, playing Arsenal, who I believe are going to be in the upper half of the table for sure this year based on their the way they're shaping up. Um, what were Did you watch the game, and what were your thoughts? I guess that's their Premier League opener. Mm-hmm. You know... It was a very challenging game. Um, I would say I would go even further than Arsenal will be in the top half of the table and say that Arsenal, I mean, based on the fact that they're not in the Europa League, they're not in the Champions League this year, they re-signed Aubameyang, Arteta has been a really consistent and like good force for that team, and they have a lot of talent. I think they're going to be in the top four. Um, mm. I think I was thinking top six, but top four. All right. Yeah, I think I think they have a good shot at Champions League this year. I mean, like a lot of the other teams are going to be battling on multiple fronts, and Arsenal's only front is going to be the Premier League. So they're going to be they're going to be keyed up for um, 
the the Premier League games. That yeah, I suppose that makes a lot of sense. Um, didn't really think about it that way. Yeah, I I had them kind of slated as a a top six, maybe top seven, like right right outside, ready to pounce. They'll be right there mm-hmm. um, in that five, six, seven range in case one of the, the top four have a, a slip in in form. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, they also and had that, they also had got two really good, really huge signings. They um, did. that both started in that first game against Fulham. Uh, one being the center back Gabriel um, from Brazil, who played really solidly and looked very confident. And the Fulham attackers struggled against him. Um, and then the other being Willian from Chelsea, um, who's a really yep. solid player, and he hit the post against Fulham. And um, yeah, he had three assists. Yeah. So he had all three assists that game. So I would say that like it was it was a very tough opener. I would still not say that's going to mark the course of Fulham mm-hmm. season because I'm looking at their upcoming fixtures and outside just for Premier League set, sake, they're going to play Aston Villa next, followed by Wolves, Sheffield, Crystal Palace, West Brom. So like Wolves. It's probably one of their larger fixtures coming up. Mm -hmm. But the way it's shaping to look is that they have at least a few games early on, back-to-back weeks of, I'd say, good good fixtures to get their feet under them in the season. Mm -hmm. Um, Early on. Yeah, to get comfortability before they play. Like, I mean, Wolves will be tough, but they're not going to play like Leicester and Man City and Liverpool for until December. So Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, they're going to go ahead. Um, Yeah. I think like based on my looking at the schedule, they have a very light first half of the season. (laughs) They're going to have a heavier second half of the season. So it's going to be really important that they come out to a a fast start here. um, If they want to stay in the Premier league, um, and, you know, that starts next week with Aston Villa. Or was that today? No, no it, was, it was Leeds today. That Leeds. was this morning. I'm trying not to say anything. Okay, yeah, don't say anything. Um, <laughs> no, you haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, they, they need – I mean, it's kind of challenging, too, because, you know, they have all, a bunch of new signings, and Scott Parker is going to have to w- get results – with a team that hasn't played a lot of soccer together. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, like based on Leeds first performance in the Premier League, like they look confident. They look like they have a style. They didn't bring in too many new faces. I think they're going to be able to jump off to a faster start than Fulham. Um, So, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard because we need to have a fast start and yet we're still working on our, on our first 11. So with that being said, what do you think makes this uh, Premier League campaign different than two years ago when they were relegated? Um, and do you think Fulham could stay in the, the Premier League this year? What's different this year is um, they didn't do quite as much business in the transfer window. Um, 
two years ago, they they remade their whole team going from the championship to the Premier League, and they lost they lost their style basically. They lost any consistently consistency in the team, um, and it was, it was clear that Scott Parker didn't want to disrupt too much the flow and just to bolster a couple areas. Um, and so um, I think that's an important thing. You know, honestly, like it's going to be tough to stay in the Premier League um, with this current squad. Um, they did make a couple good, per- like a, a couple good transfers, but it's going to be challenging. So um, you know, I'm I'm going to be rooting for them, but you know, it's going to be tough. All right, hot take: Where are they going to finish in the table? I'm hoping like a couple places above relegation. Who who are they gonna beat out to, to stay in? Um, you know, it's a hard question. I mean West Brom, you know I don't know, Aston Villa, I mean, it's gonna be tough. <laughs> I don't think I can say that yet. Um Yeah, it's but it's too early in the season. Yeah. But yeah. Any last statements you want to make about Fulham specifically? Um, last statements about Fulham? Yeah. You know, I think it's challenging. I think Fulham has a very strong, like I said, a strong community and a strong atmosphere at their stadium. And I think it's hard for some of these smaller clubs during the pandemic uh, with no fan base to kind of build momentum and or maybe it's actually an equalizing force i don't know um but i think yeah i think like they're gonna have to draw on their like the energy of their fans out there in order to stay in the premier league and luckily they have a a strong um supporter base all right well um I think uh, think we're wrapping up here. So before we actually do, I, I just want to say, Adam, uh, thank you for joining us once again. Um, really great to have you on and to to get your expertise and opinions on Fulham and our American boys on the squad. <laughs> um, but real quick, I uh, we we spoke a little bit before we actually started recording, and and I want to give you the floor just for maybe a minute uh, to, to put a plug in for whatever you want, a shout out, uh, an organization, something you're passionate about. Just um, it, it's all you. It doesn't have to be soccer related. Yeah. I, you know, I think a lot of – there's a lot of stuff on my mind right now. Um, this has been a really challenging year, um, and it just feels like with the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg – that it was just like yet another thing that just creates so much uncertainty and potentially in my eyes, like a lot of potential damage for our country. Um, And so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that our country can rally around the positive things um, that are happening and um, that we can, draw attention to the issues that are very that are that people are thinking about seriously like climate change and um 
equal rights for African Americans and ending police brutality. And, you know, I think that it's easy to get into a negative rut right now with all of the tough things happening. But I think there have been a lot of positive things that have come out of this year. And I think we need to just all individually and collectively um, work together to make sure that the things that happened over the past year end up being a positive thing. It's up to us to do that. So um, thanks for having me on, guys. This was a blast. I love talking about Fulham. It was fun catching up with you, Matt, and meeting you, Blake. Um, Absolutely. And hopefully, maybe in the future, we can have another discussion like this. Oh, I think we can work that in. Yeah, well, we'll have to maybe revisit Fulham St. Andrews Church Sunday School FC <laughs> later in the season. So with that, uh, we're going to say thanks, Adam, and thank you to our listeners for tuning into this episode of Up and Over. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at MBFC underscore up and over. Or on Twitter at underscore up and over. Until next time. <laughs>